What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Difference Football Podcast. My name is Nick. I'm joined with my co-host, as always, Sean. Sean, how are you doing today? Nick, I'm doing great. How about yourself? Couldn't be better. You know, a great weekend of football. Didn't exactly go my way. Went a little bit more your way, but we're going to get into that, and this is going to be a great show. So we just wanted to apologize first for, you know, missing a couple weeks, uh, you know, with the holidays and everything. We were both busy traveling, seeing the family, Christmas, New Year's. But, you know, as we come up into January in this new year of 2023, we're going to be churning out a lot of episodes. Like we said in the first episode, we're going to be hitting the offseason hard, and that's where we think we're going to shine the best. But look for, look on the feed for a lot of uh, covering and recapping all the playoff games. Yeah, absolutely. Like Nick said, we uh, we plan to cover a lot of the draft stuff. We've always been big fans of the NFL draft, following it closely, all the prospects. So we certainly tend to have a lot of episodes, uh, position rankings, mock mock drafts, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited for the offseason, Nick. Me as well. Let's get right into recapping what happened in week 17. And we'll start with the New York Giants versus the Indianapolis Colts first. And Sean, I'm going to just let you take the floor. I mean, Giants clinched the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Yeah, like you said, Giants clinched the playoffs yesterday with a win over the Colts. We knew going into the game that we had to take care of business. The offense talked about taking care of business. They wanted to get it done for Coach Dable, who's done a hell of a job this year coming in, rebuilding this team, rebuilding this offense, making it look like a, a competent and, and functioning offense for the first time in God knows how many years. Uh, so, yeah, big win yesterday for the Giants. Uh, I think we absolutely owned the trenches for the first time in a long time. Um, it was just a, a really, really relieving thing to see the Giants go out and absolutely dominate a game. I watch every Giants game. I watch every single snap of Giants football. And um, I just I couldn't be happier with our performance yesterday. Uh, it's the first time we quit the playoffs since 2016. I just I couldn't be happier. You and all Giants fans alike could not be happier. And like you said uh, before, dominating the trenches is something the Giants have wanted to do with this new regime. And it felt like yesterday was the first time they were actually, you know, really able to do it. I mean, both sides of the ball really running the ball down the Colts. It's not like the Colts have some uh, very impressive uh, front seven, but they do got some players out there. And to see the Giants, especially someone like Daniel Jones, getting 91 yards which has been a thing you know that's happening every week but to just do it week over week and get two touchdowns with his legs I mean that's something encouraging I mean Saquon a little less involved but hey still got it done uh, almost about uh 200 yards on the ground for the Giants yeah they absolutely dominated the ground game yesterday uh they, they've been cycling guys in and out of the offensive line which is something that we haven't seen the Giants do in past years something that's uh, an ode to the new coaching staff um Daniel Jones had one of his best days yesterday as a professional quarterback, two touchdowns through the air, two on the ground, over 250 total yards. And, you know, he just looked like he was in, in complete control of the offense. He looked like he was just operating at a high level. And that's something that, as Giants fans, we want to see because obviously Daniel Jones in a contract year, wondering if we're going to re-sign him. And, I mean, I think that he's put those questions to bed. I, I have no doubts in my mind that he'll return next year as the starting quarterback. And um, I wouldn't want it any other way after yesterday's performance. Yeah, it looks like the Giants are really starting to build on something. You saw that report come out over the weekend that they prepare to offer both Saquon and Daniel Jones multi-year deals. We don't know what the money or years are looking right as of right now, but, you know, it's something to build on. Get a couple more receivers, build up that interior offensive line. This offense could be one of the best in the NFL. The interior offensive line is definitely – our biggest need uh, on offense besides wide receiver, obviously wide receiver, most of our guys have been hurt, signing practice squad guys, bringing guys up from other teams. But uh, 
on the interior of the offensive line, they 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 performed good yesterday, but uh, definitely a need going forward. I'm just really excited about this Giants team. And I'll ask you this real quick before we move on to the next game. So obviously with the Giants clinching the playoffs, you're looking ahead. Uh, who would you rather see in the playoffs uh, with that, you know, three versus six matchup? Would you rather it be the Niners or someone more like the Vikings? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we did just play the Vikings last week and lost on the 60 plus yard field goal attempt um, on an absolute heartbreaker. Uh, that was that was in Minnesota. Keep in mind that we we kept up Minnesota, obviously one of the best teams in the NFL. They're one of the best players in the NFL, Justin Jefferson, who didn't happen to have a great game yesterday, but still a premier player in this league. I think I'd rather play the Vikings because I know that the 49ers defense, uh, they're just very dominant. And I also think that you kind of know what you're getting with the 49ers. We, we know who the 49ers are. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play action. They're going to out-scheme you on offense, you know, X amount of times per game. And defensively, they've got the front seven. They play as a singular unit, and uh, I think I'd much rather see the Vikings considering that we just went toe-to-toe with them not even two weeks ago. Absolutely. I think a lot of NFC playoff uh, teams would agree with that statement. I mean, the Niners look dangerous, and since we're talking about the Niners, let's just move right on to that game. In my opinion, the best game from this past weekend, the 49ers versus the Raiders. Raiders without Derek Carr as they benched him throughout the week, and watching this Raiders offense, it felt a little unlocked. I mean, you saw Devontae Adams. You saw Darren Waller. You saw Hunter Renfro. Jared Stidham was able to get everybody involved, unlike what you've seen from Derek Carr. And, you know, me personally, I thought that it was dumb to bench Derek Carr. I'm like, I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback, but who knows? Maybe I was wrong. Yeah, it was an interesting situation over there in Las Vegas. Obviously, Derek Carr has been the quarterback over there for eight years at this point, nine years. He's been a good player. Um they hired a new head coach, obviously, and Josh McDaniels. It's been a little bit of a shaky season. Decides to go with Jared Stidham. And I think the word you use, unlock, is actually a good way to describe what happened yesterday to this Raiders offense. I mean, they, like you said, they got everybody involved. They had the ability to marry the run in the pass game. And we were just speaking so highly of this 49ers defense. And yet the Raiders were able to put up over 500 to- total yards of offense against the Niner defense yesterday. So... Who knows what's gonna what's gonna happen in Las Vegas next year? Um, just a very interesting situation. A great game yesterday. I agree. One of the best of the weekend. And talking about the offseason, it'll be interesting to see what the Raiders do. I mean, you know, it, it seems more likely that they're gonna move on from Derek Carr. You know, reports coming out that they're gonna look for a trade partner instead of just cutting him and you know eating that dead money, even though it would save him about 40 mil. Who do they go for at quarterback is a great you know, discussion to have. I mean, is Aaron Rodgers available? I don't think so. It, it, Lamar Jackson, I think that's an even bigger pipe dream. Could they finally lure like Tom Brady? I mean, if you remember that barbershop clip where he was saying, you're going to yeah, keep man. that motherfucker over me, he was talking about Derek Carr. So maybe he'll finally get to reunite with McDaniels. Yeah, I think that's something that Brady would be interested in, considering all the success that he had in New England with McDaniels as the play caller. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders tried to make a move in the draft for a quarterback. I also wouldn't be surprised if they convinced themselves that Jarrett Stedham is their guy going forward. It, it would be interesting to say that uh, Jarrett Stedham is the guy after one game. I mean, obviously he looked good, had a, over 300 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, but it, it, it's kind of similar to like the Jets where it's like with Mike White. I mean, are you going to keep this guy just over this little sample size, even though you've been impressed with what you've seen? I agree. I don't I don't necessarily agree 
uh, if the Raiders were to go in that direction. But like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they convinced themselves that Jarrett Stidham is their guy. I mean, Jarrett Stidham was with McDaniels in New England. He played well uh, in a couple of games in relief of Brady uh, when he was still there. So Raiders are an interesting team. I mean, they, they've got a good offense. They've got a cast of, of weapons around them. And, you know, who, who knows what happens with the Raiders? They played well yesterday. See what happens going forward. Raiders did play well, and they came up a little short. Let's move to the other side, uh, the 49ers. I was kind of surprised to see this lackluster performance from the defense. Like you said, 500 yards given up. If you would have asked me before the game, I think they would have taken care of business, and this kind of would have been a 28-10 to 10 type of game. But it wasn't. I mean, the Raiders were in it and almost looked like they were in the driver's seat at some point. What, what, what do you think about the uh, 49ers' defense performance yesterday? Yeah, you know, I think everyone would agree with you when you said that it was kind of an unexpected performance by the 49ers defense yesterday. They've been so dominant this year. They obviously have the defensive player of the year favorite in Nick Bosa, who has been on an absolute tear this season. So, yeah, I mean, they just they didn't show up yesterday. They still got the win, but, you know, it just it happens. Sometimes you just it's any given Sunday kind of thing. You show up and you still got to punch someone in the mouth. You still got to cover. You still got to do your assignment on every single play. And, you know. Sometimes they come up short on defense, like you said, but they still won the game. Played well. I mean, Brock Purdy obviously has been rejuvenating this cooking. offense. Cooking, yeah, that's a good word to use. He's been cooking. We're going from the defensive side to the offensive side of the ball now, but what do you think of Brock Purdy and what he's been doing, Nick? I think he's been nothing short of remarkable. It's one of the craziest storylines this offseason, or this season, I should say, excuse me. Coming into the year, it's like Trey Lance is the guy. We have Jimmy G if we need to. And then here comes this Brock Purdy kid after both of them go down. 5-0 and since he's come into the lineup. And the offense is, it, it hasn't missed a beat. I mean, you could almost even make the argument that they're playing better without Jimmy and with Purdy, you know, at the helm. And I, I just think, now, if Brock Purdy wasn't on the Niners and say he was anywhere else, I don't think he'd be doing this. Because when you have someone like Kyle Shanahan, and all the weapons that are out there, they go get McCaffrey. They already have Kittle. They have Ayuk. They have Debo. They have a good offensive line. I mean, you don't want to say anybody could do well in it, but it, it does kind of seem like that after you've seen three quarterbacks play pretty well. I don't want to say anybody uh, would do well under it. And I don't want to say that Brock Purdy would would be a nobody if he were drafted somewhere else. I think, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. He's come in. He's done his job. He's been a professional and, you know, he's earned the right to continue to be the quarterback, even if somehow Jimmy Garoppolo were to return from injury. Would you stick with Brock Purdy or do you go back to Jimmy Garoppolo if they say make it deep into the playoffs? I mean, I think the report was that, you know, Jimmy G could be back, you know, around the NFC championship. I think it'd be insane to take out Brock Purdy. I agree. I, you're just messing with the mojo of the team. And to put Jimmy G back in, not to say that he's not, you know, good, but you got a good thing going. Why mess it up? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I think Brock Purdy is the guy to stick with. We'll see how teams in the playoffs, you know, you start to see those better defenses in the NFC, how they start to scheme around him. Because, I mean, he's not a perfect player. I do like him. He's impressed me in a lot of ways. But I do think, you know, somebody like uh, in the NFC with a good defense could, you know, challenge him and maybe, you know, force him to make some of those rookie mistakes that he hasn't made so far. Yeah, I agree. He might run into someone that confuses him a little bit, might not be uh... – prepared for the exotic looks that teams might have uh, in the back pocket for the playoffs. But you know what? He's, he's, he's operated at a very high level. He's very composed, very calm. 
you know, it, it reminds you of some past 49er quarterbacks. And going forward, you know, looking ahead in next year, I mean, who would you rather have playing quarterback, Brock Purdy or Trey Lance? I mean, that's Brock a Purdy question. is certainly making his case. A hundred percent he is. And I think it even, I think they let Jimmy G walk. I think they feel comfortable with what they have in the quarterback room and you kind of just let them battle it out. But I mean, either Trey Lance or Brock Purdy would be great options to have. And even if you look a little bit further down the line, if somebody really solidifies themselves, whether it's Trey Lance or Brock Purdy, you know, you got a trade piece that you can use to go recover some of the picks that Absolutely. you gave up originally to get Trey Lance. Absolutely, Nick. And and I mean, if, if somebody would have told you in August that, Brock Purdy would be out playing the former 49ers quarterbacks and, and on his way to bringing the 49ers to the playoffs. I mean, you would have looked at that person and told them they were insane. Oh, for sure. That's just what's crazy about the NFL. I mean, people come out of nowhere and dominate, and it's awesome to see. I mean, he's making a household name out of himself. Absolutely. So why don't we move on to the uh, the next game that we want to talk about, another big game. And it was the Buccaneers versus the Panthers, where the Buccaneers win, clinching the NFC South, kind of redeeming themselves. And really, you know, because a couple of weeks ago, it looked like the, the Buccaneers were down and out, but can't count out Tom Brady bringing back these Bucks to win the NFC South. Yeah, Tom Brady looked like his old self yesterday. I mean, him and Mike Evans, they were just clicking on all cylinders. They looked like the old versions of themselves. Something that they really haven't been able to do this season is hit the vertical passing game as as well as they did yesterday. So, you know, they operated at a high level yesterday. Carolina is who they were playing. They were fighting for a playoff spot. So uh, they were trying to bring their best their best yesterday against Tampa, and they did come up short. So credit to Tampa, credit to Tom Brady, credit to Mike Evans, credit to that offensive line for, you know, it's, it seems like they're getting their mojo back. And honestly, as a, as a fan of a team that's in the NFC playoffs right now, I, I, I do not want to play Tampa Bay going forward. You don't want to play Tom Brady in the playoffs ever. Even when it looks like he's out, he just raises the level around him. It looked like they were they were down and they were feeling sorry for themselves earlier in the season, but leave it to Tom Brady to just raise the level. And Mike Evans having 10 catches for over 200 with three touchdowns. I mean, what an incredible, incredible performance. But I got to say, it killed me. I mean, you know, nobody cares about your fantasy team, but 55 points for my opponent really, you know, put the nail in the coffin on my season. Yeah, I saw that, Nick. You were playing another friend of ours. Uh, Mike Evans had 55 points against you. I, uh, I got no words for that. Truly unfortunate. And I want to talk a little bit about what I find fascinating that's been happening ever since he's come back from injury, which is Sam Darnold's play. Yesterday put up 341 yards with three touchdowns and a pick. Now, I'm a Jets fan, as you guys may or may not know. This is not the same Sam Darnold that we saw in New York. It's Absolutely. not the same rookie year Sam Darnold. It's not the same Adam Gase Sam Darnold. This is a different guy. He's found something, some sort of swag, some confidence that he didn't have. And he's keeping the ball out of harm's way. I mean, one pick, it's not bad, but you're going toe-to-toe with Tom Brady. You really got to sling it. You got to put the ball in harm's way. Yeah, I mean, Sam Darnold, he's, he's been playing well since he's been back from injury. Obviously, Carolina team that we thought was out of the playoff race and well, now are out of the playoff race. But Sam Darnold, you know, if, with a win yesterday, they would have been competing next week for a potential playoff spot. And, uh, you know, at the end of the game, I know it was uh, under 30 seconds left and the and the Panthers had the ball and, and Sam Darnold had an absolute rifle 
from like his own 10 yard line to get to midfield to give his team an opportunity for a Hail Mary. They obviously lose the game, but like you said, this is a different Sam Darnold. I think it's very fair to say that the Sam Darnold under Adam Gase, he was never really given a fair shot. He didn't have any play calling help. He didn't have any offensive line help. He didn't have any help in the weapon category. So credit to <laughs> yeah. Sam Darnold, credit to the Panthers. Um, they came up short, but uh, uh, Sam Darnold played well. What more can you ask for? Exactly. And, and you know, I, I got to also give, uh, you know, some props to Steve Wilkes, who comes in after, you know, the dumpster fire Absolutely. that Matt Rule left behind and kind of salvages the season to where in week, you know, 17, you're playing for the division. And they had to win out if they they did control their own destiny. If they would have won these last two games, they would have been headed to the playoffs, which would have been a phenomenal storyline. I mean, imagine they go from firing Matt Rule to making the playoffs and winning the division. But, you know, you can't stop the train that is Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady, I mean, I just feel like there was no way that he was going to he was going to lose that game yesterday. And um I know that they clinched the division with their win yesterday. So uh credit to the Bucks, credit to Tom Brady again. Yep. So let's move on to, you know, I just want to touch on this quick. I feel like uh, I have to give my, you know, thoughts and words about this game and I'll try to keep it short. But the Jets fall to Seattle in Seattle yesterday, thus eliminating themselves. And continuing the playoff drought that now is up to year 12. And they will continue to be in that graphic as the furthest away team to make the playoffs. And uh, it sucks. I mean, it really just ripped my heart out of my chest. And I'm watching it. And we just looked lifeless out there as a team. I mean, it feels like ever since they gave up that fourth and one in New York versus uh, the Lions, We've been a completely different team. I mean, the New York Jets in the first half of the season started off as a team that were really good and tough on defense, and we've just kind of, like, folded, and the offense was so bad. You you could have told me I was watching a game from the Adam Gase era, and I would have believed you because we just could not move the ball. We could not have any rhythm. Drops everywhere. Mike White, clearly the ribs affected him. And, you know, it's just another season where I'm going to be – staring at a tankathon and and mock draft simulator and now I'm rooting for the Jets to lose next week for a better pick. I mean, I can't believe what a 180 this season has had. Yeah, like you said it has been a 180. I mean, the Jets just started out, you know, what was it? 6 and 2. Yep. 6 and, no, three. Six and 3 maybe. Yeah, 6 and 3. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tale of two halves when it comes to to the Jets this season. I mean, the first half looking like a good team. They're running the ball with efficiency, they're playing defense with efficiency. Obviously some injuries. Brees Hall, Elijah Vera Tucker, your best offensive lineman, contribute to the downfall of the Jets so far uh, in the second half of the year. I, I saw that Mike White was was wearing a a, a military grade rib protector yesterday. That just is a is an ode to his toughness. Um, I got to ask you about Mike White's performance yesterday. He did not look like the same quarterback. I mean, I can't prove this, but I do think that you know having multiple fractured ribs is affecting him. I'm sure he let yeah, out a little so. uh after every throw because he wasn't putting the ball in the right place. Like that was the one thing about Mike White. He was it felt like he was so accurate and he was smart with the ball. I mean, he doesn't have the biggest arm or the physical tools, 
but he had the the, the accuracy and the, the wits to know where to put the ball and not to put it. But the Seahawks are doing a good job at moving him off his platform and making him make throws he's uncomfortable making. I mean, that one ball down the sidelines to Garrett Wilson where he's double covered and then Quandre Diggs just easily picks it off. I mean, that doesn't look like something Mike White would do. I'm not saying he's this, you know, all-time great quarterback, but he has been pretty smart with the football, you know, in his limited action this year. And to just throw two picks and, you know, no touchdowns, it's not what you want to see. We go into the offseason now with way more questions than we did about six weeks ago. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot of a lot of Jets fans were, were saying that, you know, Mike White is our guy, Mike White this, Mike White that. Well, you know, now we're not so sure. Now we got to pump the brakes a little. I do still think highly of Mike White. I do still think that there's a place for him in the NFL. We're not sure if it's as a starting quarterback. Would I love to see him with a full offseason under his belt as the guy with any team? Sure. I think that, you know, most most fans would just because he's an interesting story. and He's an interesting guy. But uh, but one last Jets question before we move on, Nick. How are you feeling about Robert Sala today? Not as good as I was, you know, like I said, about six weeks ago. <laughs> Robert Sala, you know, he came to New York and he had this different attitude that not many coaches have in the NFL period, let alone one that we've seen in New York, where it was player first, you know, comforting the guys, not like being a hard ass on them. And it was refreshing. I mean, last year it felt a little, uh, you know, a little like fake because it wasn't really translating anything. But this year you saw the success. You saw how guys were really playing and rallying for him. And the energy that he was given off on the sideline was being injected into the players. But as of late, it's just looked like we've been out coached. I mean, bad clock management in certain games, like the Lions game, for example, they let about 20 seconds drip off the clock when they had a timeout. And it resulted in them having to kick like almost a 60 yard field goal to lose that game. You change that. Maybe that's another win under the belt. I mean, the coaching decision to like, maybe it wasn't a coaching decision, but the Braden man punt versus the Patriots, you know, to kick a line drive to a guy that's really fast. And then he scores the game winning touchdown on you as time expires. All these things start to add up over the season and they become, you know, negatives in that column. And I just, I'm a little unworried. He's going to get another year. I think he should get another year. There needs to be changes on the offensive coaching staff and player personnel on that side of the ball. But I'm not feeling as good as I was a couple of weeks ago. I think he's definitely on the hot seat, as is Joe Douglas going into next year. There should be a playoff mandate. If this team doesn't make the playoffs, then it should be a clean house. And then, honestly, we're back to square one, which is the worst-case scenario. Yeah, I mean, the Jets have a good roster. They've they've showed everyone this year that they have a good defense. They, they know how to get to the quarterback, sending only four, which is impressive. That's kind of the formula to win games in the NFL. That's something that Robert Sala was able to do with the 49ers when they went to the Super Bowl under his defense a couple of years ago. Um, as a head coach, Robert Sala, he hasn't had, he hasn't really had too many moments where he proves that he kind of outschemed the other coaches, that he was more prepared than the opposing coaches. So yeah, I agree with you when you say that he's on the hot seat. Uh, I definitely think that someone who's even more on the hot seat and might get fired even, you know, in the off season we're about to go into is your offensive play caller, Mike LaFleur. I just, I, yeah. I don't see any rhythm with Mike LaFleur. We know he comes from the, the Shanahan tree and obviously his brother is a very successful head coach so far and Matt LaFleur up in green Bay, but Mike, he just, he just doesn't seem to know how to marry the run in the pass game, which is kind of the key to success in that Shanahan kind of offense. 
And I just, I don't really know what he's trying to do. Like, yes, you can call plays. You can put whatever product you want on the field. doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, correlated to the following play or the preceding play. So just, just, just kind of confused by, by what LaFleur has been doing, to be quite honest with you. I have felt this way. Every Jet fan I've talked to has felt this way. He's, he feels almost a little bit like Zach Wilson, where it's this like pretty boy, young guy that has the flashes. Yeah, that's a the fair consistency tone. lacks so much to the point where it's detrimental. And if we could somehow bench LaFleur like we did to Zach Wilson and maybe make him inactive, I would opt for that. But we'll see what the Jets do going into the offseason. And, you know, we're just going to look ahead to the Monday night football game. We got the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Buffalo Bills. Sean, I'm going to let you take the floor. Why don't you tell me what you think of this game? Yeah, this is an interesting matchup tonight. Obviously, it's two of the young premier quarterbacks in this in this league. Uh, it's the first time that we're going to get to see Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow. Obviously, two guys who are probably going to be competing for the MVP award for the next dozen years. Uh, it's a really exciting game. I can't wait to watch. I am going to go with Bengals plus one and a half against the Bills tonight. I just think that the Bengals have been on a hot streak, and uh, I'm going to roll with Joe Burrow. I am too. I mean, maybe it's a little biased, you know, rooting against the Bills, but Joe Burrow has that clutch factor, that killer mentality. As the season goes on, and you saw it in the playoffs last year, he gets better week over week, and I don't think he's going to let – granted a great Bills team but I don't think he's gonna let going into Buffalo in that tough crowd really affect him that much as long as the weather cooperates which as of right now you know it's looking like there could be a little rain a little snow type mixture and some wind but as long as he's over to able to overcome that I mean I can't count out Joe Burrow I think he's reached that level where it's almost you know you see Joe Burrow you see the Bengals in the playoffs it's hard to bet against them yeah, I agree. I mean, Bengals in their last two games have beaten the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. So I'm going to let that speak for itself. Two of the top AFC teams actually sitting one and two as of right now. It'd also be interesting to see how if, you know, the Bengals win this game, they would move up to the two spot. And that wouldn't be good for the Bills because, you know, they want those home playoff games. They want you to have to come to Buffalo when it's cold Absolutely. with the crowd in the snow and it's looking like the Chiefs are really going to just not give up that strangle that they have on the one seed. Yeah, the Chiefs, they might just get lucky and, and they might just sneak their way into that one seed, which is uh, which is not surprising. I mean, how many times have we watched a Kansas City Chief home playoff game over the past four or five years? I mean, it feels like every single year we're watching the Chiefs host a playoff game. So wouldn't be surprised at all if they snuck their way into that one seed. It's funny the discourse, because I think when you say sneak, I think a lot of people say that too. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are so good that if they are not undefeated or a one-loss team, they almost kind of fall to the wayside, and we're, we're interested in the new shiny toy that we have. This Chiefs team is just as good as they've ever been, and they're doing it without Tyreek Hill, which I think is fascinating, but that going to Arrowhead is... is no, it's not easy for any opponent. I mean, look at what they're able to do in the playoffs. So them having that one seed is going to be big for them, you know, going back and trying to win another Super Bowl. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Patrick Mahomes playing at such a high level, obviously an MVP candidate. It's uh, it's must-watch TV every single time he plays. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do this playoffs. Me as well. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. This has been the Big Difference Football Podcast. 
expect episodes weekly as we move on. Like we said, we're going to try to do two a week. The the days that we upload are going to be a little uh, flexible. But as we go on, we're really going to try to hammer home a solid schedule. And uh, look for an episode on your feed next week by Tuesday or Wednesday. All right, everybody. Peace out.